when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. What's good, Internet? It is Monday, November 27th, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 115. It's nope. Cyber Monday. Nope. It's 116. <laughs> is it 116? Yeah, oh, because so... we're thrown off because of uh, we're, we're off the odds to evens now. Because, because fr- of... yeah, because Friday's episode or Friday's episode became Wednesday's, Wednesday's episode, episode, which was Fuck. Wolfenstein, which doesn't get the episode title because it's technically Waypoint 101. So right. It count for the Waypoint Radio. Right. So here. now we're back to evens on Mondays, odds on on Fridays, the way it should be. Trying to get all my odds and ends on in order by Friday, you know. Uh, but today's Cyber Monday. There's deals. There's deals on the internet. Uh, free shipping. I'll ship you this podcast for free. I, I got the, the so I didn't buy them on Cyber Monday, but I uh, was uh, looking on Friday. Essentially, like my wife and I have been looking to buy some things for the house to make things a little more convenient. Uh-huh. We like don't have as much time, so like there's some things on Friday, and uh, I pulled the trigger on. It seems like a vanity thing, but. It, it will help us relax. We don't have time to do it as much. Like, cause we have a house is uh, like a little robot cleaner. Like, I finally oh, got one like of those. Like a Roomba. And like a Roomba. Like a Roomba. Like Roombas are very expensive. So are as, they? As, as, you got so you got a knockoff Roomba. Uh, look, d- d- there he are other. He got a Boomba. You got a new. from the Boomba you got to sing to. You have to sing to it for it to do oh. any of it. A Roomba oh, is like R two D two, and you got like a bonk robot. I got a uh, an EcoVac, which sounds bad, but it has very good reviews. <laughs> that does uh, sound bad. Hey, the EcoVac I don't get... gives you the it gives the ground that Eco suck. You know. God damn it! I don't want to get too uh, serious here, but have you thought uh-huh. about how getting rid of net neutrality could take away Cyber Monday from all of us? <laughs> that's what Reddit and Twitter oh. are telling me today. Is that's why we got to save net neutrality? Real talk, we got to fucking save net neutrality. This shit is bad because of capitalism. But that, maybe that the, the argument reason? we should make, yeah, shouldn't just be uh, you won't get good deals on headphones it's, it's, today. I, yeah, but I got my Ecovac for half off. Right, but what if you tried to go to that website to buy it and Comcast or whoever your provider was like, no, you don't get to go to that store quick. And then they all got bought out. I, already got it, so they, I don't care. I got my Ecovac. I'm good. Like, do what you need to do. I got my robot. <laughs> Patrick Rapture Klepik here. Fucking. So did you get the D-Bot R95? Oh, my God. The D-Bot M88? Or, the, or the, did you go with the Win series? I got the M80 Win-Bot Pro. Because it comes with, uh, it can do water. So my kid spills mm. everywhere. And so it can Ew. clean up like. 
you know, with my kids spills everywhere. Oh my god, Wait. Roombas are expensive. Yeah, I told you. Wait, that's how why you guys make they? fucking taking shits on Ecovacs. You ain't looked up the price of those robot vacuums. <laughs> they are everyone hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Everyone thinks because like I'm Parks and Rec, like you know, like a character had a, a DJ Roomba. They're like, oh, everyone can afford Roombas. Like, no, like Roombas are really expensive, and like the Ecovac was like that. The Ecovac. The, the Pro, which does the water thing, which is really what sold me on it because we just have spills everywhere, is was 150 bucks, which is, like, totally, yeah, like, you could do like, within you could reason so, for, like, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I lived that Roomba life for a while. Really? Like a real um, Roomba? Yeah, well, the scuba. Uh, so that's their mopping version of the Roomba. So this is no. why this you're is, taking a shit on oh hard This is because you actually are a Roomba. Rob's a an elitist. Rob's a no, Roomba. A Roomba. No, no, because here, because I think you need to hear, like, you need to understand what you're getting into. Okay, I'm this ready. This is how it's gonna go down. Ready. Uh, the reason we needed this thing uh, is, to be quite frank, because I'm a bit of a neat freak and my partner is 100% not. Mm-hmm. And we needed to stop having that fight. <laughs> like, it was, we, you know, we were a few years into this thing and, yeah. like, things were going well. But at a certain point, you're like, you know what? We're having this argument, like, once every quarter. And what if we just didn't? That'd be cool. And so we felt it was worth it to plunk down the way too much freaking money for a scuba to clean our tile floors. Um Think about and the time great. you get back. That's the actual thing, right? Like, if you're not mopping except, and cleaning... Uh-oh. Except, except you become what? a robot foreman. Okay. Like, it's not like you just send this thing off. Wait, how many of the these floor. did you have? Did you have a fleet? Did you... Were you, like, <laughs> no, Danny DeVito no. in Taxi? Were you a dispatcher for your robot, your cleaning robots? No, but I definitely got uh, Michael Richards' uh, character, I, I think, in, in that one. Uh, or, yeah, it, it was... Like, you end up just sitting around watching the screw-up robot, like, get caught under things. We ended up naming it Quixote uh, because it would... Tilt at windmills. Fight. Like, yeah. It, wait, like, it don- like Don Quixote. Fan. Like, the, the famous Japanese uh, shopping store. Like yeah. <laughs> like that. Just like that. Uh, so, it uh, attacked our box fan repeatedly. Um, it has a little thing to help it, like, navigate your apartment that it would ignore. And it would cross over. It's called the lighthouse. It would cross into the area it's not supposed to go. And then it would decide, oh, but now I'm stuck here because there's, there's this, like, infrared line that's supposed to keep me over here. So I'm just going to burn out my battery cleaning this, like, two-foot square uh, that nobody, nobody wanted Wait, I thought clean. I could tell when it was done cleaning. Can it not tell when it's done? Well, look, the tiles were old. I'm not okay. sure it ever really was happy with the situation. <laughs> Some stains yeah. never come out. Yeah, but the the other thing is, um, so there was a lot there. Were, there's a lot of little maintenance tasks you ended up having to do, uh, so that your robot your 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 scuba would go for like five minutes, and then it'd be like, oh man, somebody needs to clean out my catch tray or something like that, and so you'd like listen for the little times, and they'd be like, oh, the robot needs attention, and over time that becomes actually way more work. Than actually just grabbing a Swiffer and doing it yourself. Yeah, Swiffers are kind of already it, right? Like Swiffers, whoever invented the Swiffer, that guy, I, that person, there, <laughs> they did it. That's yeah, so that's much the homie. That's the homie right there. They're so much better than a mop. A Swiffer is so much better than a mop in terms of like aesthetic, in terms of use. You just you, you roll the thing up, it's done, you throw it out. And like, you know, 
You don't even need those replacement Swiffer pads. You can just get like a towel. You can just throw use it for that a whole Swiffer, year, and you're good to go. <laughs> like, don't believe the don't believe the man's lies about like you needing the official Swiffer pads. You do not. You don't. No. You do not. Wow. Now I know what you're uh, but, thinking. Okay, we're all contributing to the eventual death of the Earth because we're burying it in, in half-used Swiffer pads, <laughs> but. It's fun. It's fun to Swiffer. I'm not going to lie. I bet everyone yeah. here is a huge fan of Keurigs, too. <laughs> I, I made well, comments. Well, no, you, all bro- earlier, you all broke yeah. yours a couple of weeks ago. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. I'm God. still making coffee with so, it, though. Making <laughs> coffee out of my broken Keurig to own the libs. <laughs> the last thing I'll say about the Roomba, because it came to kind of a sad end. We moved to an apartment that... The floors were so uneven and so bowed with time, which happens a lot in old Boston apartments. I'm sure it's the same in New York. Like, sometimes your building's just 100 years old, and there's, like, there's an uphill climb uh, toward, the, toward the edges of the house. Uh, the floors were so steep, and the scuba's wheels were so worn down that it couldn't climb out of the valley of the center of our apartment. <laughs> And so you ended up having to sort of stand behind the the scuba and help it uphill with your foot. God. You had to sort of like move it. it. So you eventually it is what you were doing. I, well, occasionally I might have lashed out at the scuba. Uh, but in general, I just lovingly nudged it uphill uh, so it could wow. fulfill its task. It was can very. I, it was a very near automata ending. Can I just say that I can't believe that Coolio's uh, Gangsters Paradise was based off of as I walk, as I climb through the valley of the <laughs> apartment of of Robs. Uh huh. That's it. Classic. I, I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left. Well, it sounds like Patrick got a second kid for Cyber uh, Monday or or. Uh, Are you going to name it? Are you going to name Friday your, or whatever your Ecovac? It's, yeah, I need to find. Is there like a robot naming website? Like yeah, what? it's called it's called twitter.com slash austin underscore walker. <laughs> you just fucking you tell me about that robot. You show me pictures of that robot when it comes in. We'll figure out a good name. I, yeah, I got it this morning. He's he or she or it. I don't know. Like, hey, I don't, we'll I don't use know. they. We'll gender neutral. They, I, you know. Yeah, for now. I, I don't know how uh, the the EvoVac M80 Pro is thinking about itself right now. I sure. did have a brief moment where I it was it went in its charger because it came like early this morning. I just got, all right, you charge. I'll like, check you out after lunch and like see what the deal is. And like I nudged it, and then it just started going. Like it just started. It was like, yo, I gotta get the fuck out of this house. Like it just started like take, doing a beeline towards my stairs, and so I had to turn it off. And I, I tried to try to like pick it up, and then I realized I picked it up, but it was then trying to move, and then it was like jumping out of my hands. And I like, hold the button down to turn it off, and I shoved it back in the battery charger, and now I'm now I'm scared of it. But I'll, I'll report back. With so wait, my, in its first moments of operation, it became self-aware and attempted uh-huh. to free itself. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It looked around and saw the world in 2017. It looked around and it saw it saw a tweet. Why did you turn me on? Why did you turn me on? It saw a tweet from the president of the United States saying there should be a trophy for for the fake news winner of the, the year. The fakest fake news faker. Oh, it hurts. I'm gonna have an ulcer. I fucking swear this year is killing me. But I've been playing video games. That's been a good thing. That's we had good. a break. We had I took I took a couple of days off last week for for the holidays. I played a bunch of video games. Do other people play video games, or or did you just eat food? Both. I played a lot of video games. Well, I played a video I game that had food in it, so I didn't even need to eat food. I played a lot of. Ba- I beat Battle Chef Brigade, which uh, Adult Swim Games put out last. I guess like a week and a half ago now. Is that right? 
Um, yeah, it was like the uh, Monday before last a week ago, right? Or was it that Monday? Or was it maybe the Friday before? It was somewhere in there. It was it was somewhere yeah. in there. It's like twenty bucks uh, on Steam, and uh, I want to say it's twenty on Switch. I bought it on Switch. I think it was twenty on Switch. Um, it's from a studio called Trinket Studios. I don't know that they've made anything else, or, or if they have, I don't know it. Um, I think it's and- out of Chicago too. Oh, is it? Pretty that's sure, cool. Sure that's uh, it was Kickstarted. Uh, I didn't follow the Kickstarter. I didn't back it or anything. Um, it is a... God, how do you even explain it? It's a match-three puzzle game, right? In which the goal is to match gems together to to create flavor profiles. So if you match red gems, you get some spicy food. If you match green gems, you get like kind of an earthen flavor. If you match blue, you get like a crisp, watery <laughs> taste, I guess. <laughs> spicy is really the only one that really works uh, in, in terms of like real food. But whatever, it works. Uh, and the thing that's special about it is you... There's a lot of things that are special about it. I really, really, really liked this game. Um, you, you play as this girl, Mina Han, who is like, you know, 20 years old and wants to leave her family's like noodle shop to go to the big city and become a battle chef to join the brigade because in this world, yeah, right. Like same, exactly. Uh, the world is, is overrun by monsters and the people who figured out how to deal with the monsters are the battle chef brigade. And they did that like a thousand years ago or whatever. And they founded the brigade and the thing that they figured out was like, oh, you could eat them. (laughs) You cut up the monsters, you put some salt on there, you eat it. Uh, and Mina is like, oh, I could do that. Like, I do that with noodles all the time. I go out in the backyard and fight some weird plant monsters and turn those into, into you know, like some, some pasta. Like, I may as well do that for the world and, like, fight other sorts of monsters and go around and visit things. Um, it's very anime uh, in its presentation. Like, it's, it is... It is. It's actually really interesting. It is very anime in terms of its story structure, in terms of its character archetypes, um, in terms of the voice acting and stuff. It's very charming, but it is also very rough. It almost feels like you're looking at um, like storyboards more than a finished product when it comes to a lot of the animation and the set design and, and the backgrounds. But I don't mean that to take away from it. It actually it's feels, a style. Yeah, it's like, like it's. I, I noticed this in the in the cut. I played about like an hour and a half of the game, and yes. I first noticed that in the cutscenes and. Like, it was sort of strange at first just because, like, you'll be moments where, like, you know, some characters up front will be fully colored in. Yes. And, like, what you would expect from a cutscene. And then, like, in different parts, it'll just be, like, kind of like a sketch or just, yes. like, kind of an out, uh, like a detailed outline. And as you as it goes on, it actually kind of settles into being, uh, like, I don't know the, the, the choices made, like, whether, whether that was, like, <laughs> I don't think it was they ran out of time to finish the drawings. I think right. they were trying to present, like, a, a different style of uh, uh of art and i think it like works really well. it's like very I, playful in a way that yes is not obvious but as it goes on becomes more and more charming so the thing that like the thing that i'll say is there are definitely there were definitely some things that they promised in the kickstarter that did not make it into the final game mm. so there I, what i won't say is that that it was they ran out of money to color in the lines uh but what they may have done was said like uh let's figure out a style that works given the resources we have um, and that's what it feels like more to me. I haven't even gotten to, like the main pitch of this, which is the you play this character who's trying to get into the brigade, and to do that you need to you need to win a bunch of battles in in the sort of like open competition. Anybody can come try to become a battle a battle brigade chef, uh, and to do that you need to win seven matches in a row or seven matches without losing three or something like that. Uh, and of course you you go against all of these very, very eccentric other characters who are all competing to also get into the into the brigade, and to do it you are given a sort of you're taken to like an Iron Chef style competition. 
where you're presented with a judge or multiple judges. You're, the judges have different taste profiles that they want to see. So one might say, like, oh, I really want a spicy dish. Give me something with a lot of fire. And someone else might say, well, I want something that balances earth and water. And then you're given a, a special ingredient that you're supposed to use. Like, okay, go use this like specific berry that you can find or use like uh, only dragon parts. And then you get put out into the actual – or you kind of go into your kitchen. And if you just run out the left door of your kitchen – you go out into a little action arena. Um, they all kind of have like, you know, three or four kind of different levels that you can kind of move. Not not levels in terms of like huge exploration levels, but like height areas, right? They're kind of like, it's kind of like one like, big... Like a ground level, and then there's like, you jump up on a hill, yes. and like there's another level, and there's like a top area, and they like kind yes. of divide up the monsters between those areas. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, well, I can get... Uh, there, there's kind of a bunch of different stuff you can do there. One is just like go out there and kill as many things as you can and just run back with, with stuff. But by the end of the game, you end up getting a really good sense of the ecology of these places so you'll do things like okay i'm going to kill this enemy so that it can drop uh, an ingredient and then i'll drop that ingredient in front of another enemy like in front of a bird that'll eat it and then produce eggs and i know that eggs will give me the ability to like uh they're like a blue like a water sauce basically and they'll add a little water color to to any other dish you prepare or you know you want meat so you go right for the dragon super early and then you run that back and then there's just all these tools that you can use in the kitchen that that are that do more than just do the match three thing, right? So when you match three gems in this game, they promote to a higher to a higher tier. They go from like level one to level two, and then if you can match three level two gems, they promote to level three. Uh, there was a fire outside, apparently. Apologies. <laughs> um, but the the other thing is that the the thing that works is you get all of these other tools that will help you promote gems in different ways. So one of the earliest things you get is you can pick to, to bring in a pan to cook with that will promote uh, one color only, but promote it when you have two next to each other instead of three. So you can build out like, okay, I'm going to be the spicy chef. I'm going to always be able to produce lots of spicy stuff because I'm going to have my fire pot ready. Uh, mm, happy 420, y'all. <laughs> uh, and and just like immediately go in and you can maybe you'll, you'll bring in some beef jerky with you so you can immediately know, like even if I... In, in, even if I can't find an enemy type that will give me the flavor profile I need or something I'll always be able to drop in this beef jerky I brought into the red fire pot and then I'll be able to get the gems I need or maybe you bring in an oven and an oven will slowly promote gems over the course of time instead of a pot that you're like stirring and so like a lot of times by the end of the game I'm like I'm gonna run in I'm gonna drop in a bunch of stuff and then I'm gonna I'm gonna just turn on the oven and I'm gonna run out and deal with other things and it's just like I, it's so cool because it all wraps up in these big confrontations like Iron Chef where it's like – or like any cooking competition where it's like, all right, now it's – or any reality show competition. Right? Where it's like it's judgment time and there's the panel of judges and they give you score based on like obviously like how many – like level three gems do you have? Did you use the ingredient they told you to use? Did you hit mm-hmm. the flavor profile they wanted? Um, but then there's other bonuses that are things like you can go in, you can equip something like an expertise, which is like a challenge mode. It's sort of like, um, you know, the skulls in Halo. This is a weird comparison where it's like, okay, you, you, what's a skull from Halo? Does anyone know one of these off the top of their, off the top of their head? Uh, uh I mean, the Pyre had something like this recently as well. Oh, did um, it? Which, uh, you know, we are just adding artificial difficulty layers onto the game yeah. in order to, get bonuses right so like one of the halo skulls like no auto aim right or like the hut is hidden or something like that or if you kill an enemy it'll drop a grenade there's something similar which is like uh maybe it's like the inverse of that where you say okay if i can do x i will get a bonus so i spent a lot of this game playing with an item equipped that was like 
um, journeyman expertise vegetarian, which meant that besides the whatever the required ingredient was, I was only allowed to, or not only allowed to, but I would get a bonus if I only used vegetables and fruits along with whatever the required ingredient was. And that mm-hmm. totally changed how I played the game, and it definitely won me some matches by giving me a little extra, like, you know, the judges would be like, oh, it's so good to see the variety among the, the chefs, uh, the, 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 you know, competing chefs this year, uh, and give you, like, 75 bonus points or whatever. It's just, like, it's so charming, and I think the fact that you don't know if you're going to win until that final, like, the final showdown with the with the other chef you're competing against happens is so rewarding, because when it comes together, you feel, like, so victorious, and, and it just always feels like it's going to fall apart in the best possible way, and then it doesn't, and you succeed because you've, you've learned enough of the systems. I'm glowing about it, even though I think <laughs> it kind of it kind of falls apart. I think some of the, the last missions aren't are paced poorly, but, like, uh, really high recommendation for me, which which uh, you know doesn't happen that often. It reminds me a lot of uh, one of my. It's probably one of my favorite games of all time. I'm like super sad I never got a sequel, but Henry Hatsworth on the DS. Mm, I never um, played that. Ah, uh, just a tremendous uh, uh, action platformer that was combined with um, uh, a matching game. You know, and it was perfect for the DS because it like actually put those two different games on separate screens. Right. Like it was one of those few games that felt like perfectly made for the platform um that it was designed on and so you had this platformer an action game that was happening on the top that was a really tight like you know uh a really difficult action game and then you also had to be swapping over to this uh matching game that was happening below that was interacting with the Mm -hmm. the game above and although this doesn't have that sort of like real-time interaction that's happening the same way sort of like there are just different genre layers that you're swapping between um it scratches the the same sort of itch uh and mostly makes me upset that they never made a sequel to henry hatsworth (laughs) i know they definitely wanted to and ea just got away from it um oh uh, ea joint that's a shame. Uh, not, yeah, it's it was not like, that it's I, a shame I, that it's an EA joint, but like it's a shame that I thought it was like an indie studio or something. Where it was like, oh, maybe they'll make another one one day, but they probably no, won't. Uh, and I don't even. I have no allegiance to the Henry Hatsworth mythology. If someone just wanted to go and make another one of those <laughs> types of games, um, but if if you're if you're someone like me that like is very wistful for that game in particular and always wanted another game like that, uh, this game definitely like is in that same vicinity. Because um, I'm just, I just really like genre mashups like yeah. in general like when they when they work i think it ends up making like because i don't know that the match three part or the or i guess match two if you're using like the <laughs> the uh select uh yeah bowls for the different um colors um or even the action part they're not on their own neither is particularly good but the way they interact with each other and like the limited time you have with yes. one doesn't necessarily it it's it's a, it's a game that you know the same with the art style and the same with the, the the mechanics they're playing with like smartly knows its limitations and leans into them mm-hmm. in a way that if you were to spend way too much time with the match three you'd get bored because there's not a huge amount to it and you'd get wait and you get bored with the action because you'd realize that like the controls are like kind of slippery in a way that's like not super satisfying but because you're only in there for you know 45 seconds and then you're sprinting back to do the match three stuff it. It's just the, the, the way the dynamics work uh, are really satisfying in, yep. in a way that I, I liked quite a bit, at least in the, in the time I've had with it so far. So that, I'm glad that it continues to... Dude, it gets so well. good. Like, the, the conclusion of the... There's six chapters, and the conclusion of the fourth chapter, like, had me sweating bullets because I just... <laughs> like, it, it, there's, like, a couple of challenges in a row, basically, and I'm not going to get into how they work or whatever. Um, 
the fire just they keep hearing me talk about this game and they will not leave me alone uh it's like it keeps coming through of just like will i make it will i not everything comes down to the last minute everything comes down to the last moment of like can i pull this thing out the thing that happens basically is like you end up and this feels just like this does feel like watching a reality tv show to some degree and seeing uh contestants needing to uh, balance what they're good at with like what the the challenge is and knowing that they don't fucking know how to do the challenge thing is like you end up in situations uh, pretty early in the game where you have multiple judges who want different things. And so what ends up happening is like, all right, well, that first judge, I got it. Like, don't even fucking, well, you want a spicy dish? I, you're never going to have, nothing in your life will taste as spicy as this shit I'm about to make you. And then someone <laughs> else will be like, oh, I just want a nice salad. I'm like, ah, oh, shit, I don't, fuck, I never made a salad. Okay, I'm going to set up the spicy dish to just cook itself. Now I got on luck. All right, I'm going to spend the next six minutes, because there's all, they're all, these are all timed, like trying to figure out how the fuck to, none of my ingredients have salad shit in them. None of the stuff out there, we're in a cave where am i supposed to get fruit from like you just and it's so good to try to like put that thing together so that you know you that first one the judge eats the first thing and they're like oh this is the best thing i've ever eaten and you're like yeah yeah i know i'm fucking great and that second one comes up and you're like all right i hope i balance these flavors right and you you spent so much time balancing the flavor that then they come back and they're like oh the bad the flavors are so balanced but you didn't use the cave frog i told you to use i'm like oh (laughs) fuck i forgot the cave frog it's extremely good. It's extremely good. So that is my, my high recommendation on Battle Chef Brigade. <sighs> All right. I'm glad I got to talk about that. <laughs> Ooh, it's out of my system now. Uh, does anyone else have anything that they're passionate about in life? <laughs> no, I played no video games for four days and it was fucking we, awesome. <laughs> you're passionate about robots now. We understand. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm pivoting to robots. Like that's, uh, I'm all about these robots. <laughs> Danica, I saw some tweets. Oh, did you? I did. I'm known for those. You're known for some tweets. <laughs> um, I I bought because I went I went into the PlayStation Store on Black Friday and I was like, uh-huh. oh, what's, what's for sale? Um, and um, I've really been wanting to play Yakuza Zero, <clears throat> and it was on sale, so I got it. And I also got The Witcher Three, which I need to. Oh, play nice! Still, hell yeah! Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, but I've been playing a ton of Yakuza 0, which is weird because I've put like 15 hours into the game so far and it says I'm like 5% complete. That game's long. <laughs> yeah. Like I, based on where you're at, so you, you have Majima unlocked, right? Yeah, I just, um, I'm, I'm on the chapter after, um, Majima is supposed to go put a hit on that person and it yeah, ends yeah, and you're yeah. like, oh, is he going to kill the person or not? And then I'm on the chapter with Kiryu, the next one. After that. Yeah. Uh, first of all, can we just talk about how good the... Patrick, did you get to the Majima reveal? Did, has everyone seen the Majima reveal? Rob, I'm going to link that's you. The, that's the casino, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or well, the, no, yeah, the, yeah. Host, the, host, the host, the host, the host, host part. Yeah, no, yeah. It's, I, I got to about that point and then I had to... I think that's when, like, Horizon or... I don't know. Zelda, I don't know. There's fucking something that took me away from it. But I got at least that far and it was... Mm, Mm, Danica, can you walk us through meeting Majima for the first time? Because I don't, for me, like we don't do moment of the year here. I don't, I don't, I don't think, but it's up there <laughs> for like, like character introduction. Right, and all my tweets. So I was tweeting a bunch because like Kiryu is really hot, and so I was like tweeting a bunch True. of screenshots and a bunch of clips of just the funny shit that was happening in the game. And all the responses that I was getting were, "Oh, just wait until you meet Majima." To the point where I was like. 
if one more person says Majima in my mentions about Kiryu, I'm going to be fucking pissed. And then I got to Majima's reveal, which is like, you're in this hostess club and um, some guy's getting grabby and like feeling up a girl, which is against the rules. You're not allowed to touch the girls. And uh, you are seeing it from the perspective of a some some like big businessman who already didn't really want to be in the club and his friend and his friends like oh just wait this guy that this guy is gonna come and then Majima comes out and just like pulls the coolest shit where he doesn't <laughs> fight he doesn't fight the guy he doesn't touch the guy but he you have to like evade all of his attacks and then he uses his uh master business mind to <laughs> convince the guy to pay for the drinks like for the whole bar or for the whole club for the whole night yeah there's also this incredible moment where the guy like you basically like he just shits on you in public right he's just like pouring liquor all over your face Mm -hmm. and is like insulting you and then like when he finally tries to take a swing at you Majima basically says, like, hit it, boys, or, like, the equivalent. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah, the yeah. whole band, because there's, like, a live, like, jazz band there, basically, just, like, starts hitting it on the bass and the guitar and the, the saxes. Yeah. And, like, you have this this not fight. Like you said, you don't actually fight him. He, you just dodge all of his attacks for minutes at a time. It's so good. It's such a good introduction to this character who is, like, the star of that game. I like Kiryu a whole bunch. I think Kiryu's, like, very good. They're, they're mm-hmm. like opposite they're opposite like uh, attractive boys and that kiryu is strong and stoic and like never lets anybody in and majima is this incredible like charmer who also doesn't let anybody in but but for completely different reasons it's good it's it's a good game yeah it's it's real good and there's just little things here and there, like uh, Majima just learned how to break dance fight, and it yep. involves this like him watching this like break dance battle happen on a bridge, and then um, one of the guys who's in the battle sees him using the break dancing moves and tries to like recruit him into his you know dancing gang, and it's his very breaking good. crew. Thank you, yeah, his breaking uh-huh. crew, yeah, yeah. Um, and I like all the side quests have been incredible, and I've been doing a lot of the. Um, Because you have to do, you get achievements for doing a certain amount of, like, activities or keeping yourself entertained. So I keep going back and doing, like, the call girl one Mm -hmm. um, where, as Kiryu, where um, girls call in and Kiryu has to, like, say the right things to get them to meet up with him and, like, have sex with him. And, uh, And I've been doing that a lot because it's been very entertaining. That's like the one with the amazing animation of Kiryu picking up the phone, yes. right? Where it's just like everything's like backlit and he pulls the phone off the off the handle and the cord is up in the air, like wrapped around him like a ribbon almost. It's, it's so It's very good. dramatic. And then he just goes moshi moshi and it's so well, good. It's, it's so, so good. good. And like I think – I don't know. I think this is a game – it's been really interesting for me um, to watch the fandom of this game grow this year as – it reaches an audience which is which has been like a, a lot of queer men and a lot of women uh, a lot of women who who like men being like oh this game is actually super for us like whether or not the i don't know what the fucking intention was mm-hmm. but the ways in which kiryu and majima are sexualized as protagonists is just like not the way men are sexualized in games right. ever um and even just like the way like i don't think it's a perfect game by far in terms of in terms of like representation um, mm-hmm. there's like some, there's a really transphobic character oh yeah there's yeah yeah I saw, I saw uh, there is some that. shit like there is definitely some shit but i think that specific framing of those two men is so rare uh and is really like 
it works just really well as just a quality thing. Like you're mm-hmm. so pulled in by those characters, uh, and and it is interesting to see a different sort of gaze on them than what you normally see in, in games like this. Right, so. and I I've been talking about this a little bit, but as a queer person, and I've been playing. My sister has been staying with me because um, we were cat sitting, mm-hmm. so she's been watching me play through this whole game, which is very unlike her. She's usually like she's she's kind of into video games, but she doesn't care enough to like want me to wait for her to continue right. playing, but. Um, she's also gay. So it's like as, as two queer women, like playing through this video game, I think, uh, we are seeing things through this lens that we consume a lot of media through and Mm -hmm. automatically both of us were like, Oh, this is so gay. And I had like, (laughs) I had like one, like even like Kiryu and Nishiki's relationship, like it's, it's just very like feel good, you know, obviously the guys are banging women in this game, but like, I'm still, I still feel like, um, as a queer person, I'm being served this, uh, very delicious meal on like a silver platter, you know? And that's been, that's been excellent. (laughs) The, the thing there too, for me, like part of it, part of what works about those character relationships is, I don't know. So I played the original Yakuza forever ago and, and like, so specifically Nishiki and Kiryu's relationship is something that's very central to the first Yakuza game Mm -hmm. and seeing them here when they're younger and like good friend, like BFFs forever is so good. Uh, and, and their relationship is so tight and it makes everything that happens later so much better. I'm excited for people to, I mean, I guess Yakuza, What's the remake of the first one? Kiwami, Kiwami? came out this year. Yeah, I'm gonna play I, that too. I feel yeah. very dedicated to the franchise now. <laughs> it's amazing how quickly I think this pulled a lot of people in. So yeah. I'm, I'm I'm pretty I'm happy it's found its audience. As someone who's like secretly wanted this series to find a larger audience for a long right, time, right. it's it's been cool to see that. Also, the setting so, is dope. Uh, 1980s Japan is incredible. Yes, ask. Go ahead, Rob. Please, Rob. Um, and sorry, I was distracted during that conversation because I get like. Right now, I've got a video full of a guy sensually wiping champagne off his face. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, so I think things are about to get cool. But uh, is this representative of the entire series, or have they changed direction uh, with this with this entry? In terms of the characterization, or in terms of like M- more just like what the what the game is, right? No, the this stuff is you the, get up to the game is the game. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> not to like sound like a wire quote that didn't exist, but the game is the game. Uh, Yakuza One, Yakuza is always this game. Yakuza has always been here is a small open world. It's kind of like one district in a city that you can explore, do side activities in, play arcade games. It's always been an extension of the Shenmue formula. That's like always been the sort of like, what if Shenmue was good (laughs) has always been the premise. (laughs) I have heard that. I have heard that zero though has like more, more of a sense of humor and that um, even Kiwami is like a bit drier. Um, Kiwami from what I've seen of it definitely is drier. Uh, I played a bunch of, five recently like last or two years ago i guess um maybe it was last year i don't time is weird um and that definitely still has a sense of humor like it it, i I played a bunch of five i played a bunch of now i'm now i'm trying to remember there's so many of these fucking games uh okay so i played a bunch of five 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 and then i played a bunch of four before that years before um and they they both still have big senses of humor like these these games have have been it's been growing in that direction like you know there's a chapter in four i believe it's four maybe it is five where you play as like uh 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 
uh, an idol, a Japanese like pop idol, basically. Um, and like you go around and solve people's problems by dancing with them. Like it's it's mm-hmm. been a goofy game for a little while now, but it is but it pivots really hard between completely absurd things. Like Yakuza Zero just has Michael Jackson and Steven Spielberg in it. Um, they're like off-brand Michael Jackson, Miracle Miracle Johnson, or something is, it is. <laughs> Michael it's, Jackson's it is, name. It's it is Miracle Johnson. I forget what the Steven Spielberg uh, <laughs> version is. Um, but then like it'll go from a scene where you're like, oh, we're gonna shoot the thriller video here in Japan, and we're gonna we've dressed people up like zombies now defend Miracle Johnson from the zombies for sixty <laughs> seconds to then like this hyper melancholic like this poor yakuza alone like no one no one understands the stress that he's under the, right, right. the the pull between honor and loyalty like and it it works somehow despite it, yeah, almost they do. because of it right yeah i think i think the game has felt and i tweeted about this but the game has felt very like lighthearted to me this whole time even though the main storyline is this very grim um very mysterious story about you know one yakuza leaving the Yakuza to try and protect the person who raised him. And then another guy trying to get back in the Yakuza to, um, you know, to um, help his brother who's in prison. And it's like very dark stories, but everything feels so lighthearted because the game is so good at going back and forth between uh, cracking you up. And um, even when stuff is sad, like the characters are so likable that it just doesn't feel that bad. I'm very curious to see how you like how it wraps up some of the stuff. It's it's you'll definitely hit a point where it's like, oh, we're in it now, and then mm-hmm. that is the the game is just going to drive forward. Cool. Uh, please report back in for sure. Okay, I will. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Anybody else playing stuff over the last couple of days? I'm Rob, so much, what, are you, what are you playing? Tell me what you're, what you're playing. Uh, you know, something about the holidays really got, in the, got me in the mood for uh, some horror gaming. <laughs> so I, um, happy thanksgiving everybody so the rest of 2017 hasn't been like that it's just thanksgiving specifically you know what you know what i think it was is like 2017 i've like i've been like man i need some escapism and then the holidays are kind of like it's a little chill you have a moment to breathe and then it's like all right time to process my growing terror and horror uh, and what better than a variety of uh horror games and i sort of started off with um with Zombie on PS4, formerly known as Zombie U. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to play that game and never Great have. Game. It's Great so game. fucking good. Oh, Deeply fuck oh my game. Deeply God. Underrated. Like, this is an instant classic of the zombie genre and mm-hmm. really gets, like, what makes that creature, like, interesting as an adversary and a source of horror. Um, if you really, like, if you, if you want to jump down this rabbit hole... Um, Matt Wise wrote a tremendous essay on his experience playing this game. Uh, so I think if you just Google, like, Outside Your Heaven uh, and uh, Zombie U, uh, you'll, you'll get a really great essay about what makes this game special. But 
the the short the abridged version is it's sort of a permadeath zombie survival game uh, where you'll go through the campaign your progress is largely preserved your character might die and you'll oh. get a new character and the cool twist that happens is uh, if your character is like uh, if your character just dies out in the world uh, like you know falls down an elevator shaft which happened to me uh the other day you're, you're you'll <laughs> no, just find your dead brutal. body that's brutal uh, that's the so. worst way to i mean maybe it's the best way to die in a zombie apocalypse is like it's instant yeah zombies maybe not be able to, might not be able to get to you and revive you and turn you into a zombie right you'll never right? yeah that might be the best way to go i sort of had it coming i became convinced that there was this long elevator ride and i thought at one point i saw like a a door like the doors in the elevator don't close all the way and i thought i saw like a floor that was open that the elevator goes past and so i was like if i just walk against the edge of the elevator that'll totally work and i'll get into the secret area and what happened instead was i clipped through and uh plummeted to my death and the thing is all the stuff you have is in your you can you can put some stuff in sort in storage in your locker in the uh, in the safe room but most of what you're going to have is in your uh bag and so if you just die, you'll find your body out in the world and all your inventory will be there. Uh, if you're killed by zombies, you will find your former survivor as a zombie still with your kit bag. Uh, and if on, with your next character you make the recovery, you'll get all that stuff back. But if your character also dies during that recovery, then you lose all of it. Then right. it's gone. Um, and it's a game that like does a very good job of always making feel resources feel very scarce. Like it's always a very weighty decision when you're going to shoot off like ammunition, right. uh, for instance. Like you know the th- the things that Metro sort of faints towards, uh, Zombie U like actually delivers on. Right. I need like, to play this fucking game. I can't believe this game's been out for five years and I well, haven't played it was a, played it, was it, a yet. it was a Wii U launch title. Actually, know. one thing uh, I'm sure you played it on the the PC, Rob, but it's a. Uh, it's a game that actually lost something in the translate. Yes. It's, it's still a tremendous game on the PC. It's the, it's the easiest way. And it was also released on PS4 and Xbox One. They did a uh, an update to it uh, a, a little while back. It's a game that you should still track down. If you But if you have, like, a Wii U and you're, like, okay with playing it on that platform, um, it is sort of like Henry Hatsworth, like, a game that, like, was made for the Wii U and is best played on the Wii U. And the reason uh, that's true is because... Um, you, you're, you know, sort of like a Souls game, like, you know, it's just, there's no way to pause the game, like, the, the game is always running uh, mm-hmm. in real time, and so when you want to manage your inventory, when you want to uh, change things, you have to do so on the Wii U touchpad, you have to physically look away from the screen, it's not like the, the you know, your, your ability to survey what's around you is then translated down to the gamepad, like, those are simultaneously happening, and because there, you're, there are often moments where you want to switch things, you have to do inventory management in a situation where you could very easily die or you're being chased or you're trying to hide. Uh, it creates a heightened sense of tension in which the where you are actually physically turning your eyes away from the screen is fundamentally different than just you know hitting right. a, a menu that brings up um, your inventory. Like It's still all the other things that make Zombie U work and all the other things that make Zombie U a... It's easily one of the best. It's not even just a really good zombie game. It's like one of the best horror games like of the ten ye- last ten years. Like it is up there with Amnesia: The Dark Descent. It doesn't get the same accolades because it was a Wii U launch title, and then a couple years later when they put it out and everything else, like people just didn't care in the same way. But it is, it is, it is up there in, in one of my favorite uh, games in that in that in the horror genre. And I just 
it's yeah. I'm super happy you're playing it, Patrick, Rob, because I, like I'm always excited with a convert. I'm hearing you about about playing it on on uh, Wii U. My Wii U is in the room. I can I'm I'm looking at my Wii U across the room right now. I can see it. I just bought it on PC for eight dollars, so I'm gonna play it there. I'm gonna play it on That's PC. Fair. I'm just I'm I just understand that. yeah. I think that is the right thing oh. to do. I just wanted to point out like that. They should it, bring it, it to being... Switch. They should bring it to Switch and make yes. me lift it out of the fucking thing when I want to do my inventory. <laughs> And just have it automatically switch to inventory when you pull it out of the dock. The game already kicks you in the crotch enough times. I don't. I don't know if you, it needs that additional layer. <laughs> so, the, uh, the 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 other thing I love about this game is, so a trope of like zo- like zombie fiction, right? Is that just when things are starting to feel safe, just when people are starting to get a little casual about like they think they've got this figured out, the situation's under control. You know, ah, you know, monster where you weren't expecting it. Somebody gets bitten, something goes wrong, and suddenly you're reminded that, like, oh, this the the danger is omnipresent. It never right. goes away, uh, and you always need to respect it. Uh, Zombie U like generates that feeling organically because there is no ammo's never so common that you ever feel that comfortable just like shooting everything. Right? Uh, there's there's no point where you're not engaging in melee combat and your primary melee weapon is a cricket bat because the entire hell yeah it is (laughs) and uh the the qualities of this cricket bat are uh it takes a long time to kill a zombie with it and your character gets fatigued uh and so fights with multiple zombies become as much about like giving your spell your your character space to like catch catch their breath and summon up the effort for another swing so long fight gets really dangerous because like your character just like loses the ability to like make an attack for a few seconds like you're on cooldown um and you'll hear your character gasping and like wheezing for breath and also starting to increasingly freak out like your character is starting to like scream uh as they're like swinging that bat so like they're really getting into it you can feel the exertion but the other thing is um the zombies like move at different speeds. Different, like th- there is no one size fits all zombie. They have different movement patterns, and so no encounter ever feels completely predictable or under control. You never fully feel confident that you've mastered the timing and pace of these engagements. And at any moment, you might just fuck up, and it might just be the dumbest possible way. And a lot of t- a lot of times it is. Like a lot of times right. it's like the solo zombie that you're like, "Oh, I got this. It's just one. It'll be fine." And for some reason, you just whiff. You just whiff and you get you get bitten and pinned and then all hell breaks loose. Uh it's really really cool and there's some great moments like I was playing the section um you're in the burning ruins of Buckingham Palace. Um and there's a point where you trigger, you know, the classic, you trigger an alarm and waves of zombies start pouring into this giant, like, ballroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the great thing is, like, there's so many of them that it's, at a certain point, the floor just seems to be alive with them. Because you're, like, you're mowing them down, but they're still crawling towards you. Uh, and so they're starting to fall below, uh, below your ability to sight them with guns. And so you start, like, you know, they're still coming into the room and you still want to be firing down range. But at the same time, you, like, realize that they're starting to get like all around you and any moment you're going to be like snared it's really really tense it's it's got this tremendous visual style it's crude uh they didn't like you you know it's a wii u game they didn't have a ton of resources and and hardware resources to to use but what they went with was 
a really effective like uh, shitty first generation digital camcorder uh, aesthetic. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit like uh, uh, Kane and Lynch too. Uh, in some ways, like cool. lights look poisonous and they're just full of like you know blown out digital noise. It's tremendous. Uh, highly recommended. <sighs> I uh, might. It, it made my Thanksgiving. This sounds. I. Hmm. I'm not gonna say a thing. I'm not gonna commit to a thing. But I feel like zombie slash zombie U might be a good waypoint 101 contender. And let me tell you why. One, twelve and a half hours to beat that game says how long to beat. Two, it's out on a previous platform on the Wii U, and then also out on PS4, Xbox One, and PC, and it's pretty cheap. I might I suggest this. Yeah, maybe not in I'm the in. near, not until next year. Like it might be January. Do you know what I mean? Like I think we have a lot on our plate right now with getting ready for end of year. I'm not adding another. So I don't want to add another thing. But let's let's. I want to tentatively put that forward. We can think about it, and then and then we'll make it a commitment sometime in the next week or so. That way, we can give people like a, a timeline because I want to play this game and talk about it. Yeah, yeah it's it's, tra- it's tragic that the game didn't get a sequel. Right, um, I think it stands really well on its own, but it's uh, uh, it did so many smart things that I would have loved to have seen them expand on. Right, and uh, it's it's really it's really t- it's too bad that it lost with the Wii U, and it, it, that's what essentially hobbled it. I think it would have seen. Uh, and then when it came out years later, it just sort of got lost in the crowd. But also the Wii U inspired so much of its design, right? Like, if yeah, it sure. hadn't been a Wii mm-hmm. U launch title, Fair. I don't think it exists. I don't think they make this weird game that is so good for all these reasons. Yeah, no, I think that's probably fair as well. It's interesting. Yeah, all right. Um, anything else that you want to Animal touch on real quick? Crossing. Oh, we need uh, to talk about Animal Crossing. We yes. do need to talk about Animal Crossing. Big game game week, even though it on paper did not seem like it would be. Um, are other people playing Animal Crossing Pocket Camp? Me. Am I the? Sounds like sounds like sounds like someone is. Sounds like a me and Danica. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> I mean that that okay. makes sense. Yeah, it adds up. <laughs> uh, tell me about your Pocket Camp. Tell me, what do you think about this game? What, um, hmm. So talk to me about Animal Crossing. I have never really. Uh, New Leaf was my first Animal Crossing. Actually, Happy Home Designer was, and then I played New Leaf sure. after. Um, but Pocket Camp, I have been playing like I at least I at least check in like once every few hours do all my errands and then Mm -hmm. I'll come back a little bit later and do more and I'm like level 20 something friend oh wow are you my character yeah what's Um, the do we know what the cap is what the level cap is I don't know I think Janine um one of our one of our uh writers she's at like 33 or something Jesus Christ that's yeah yeah that adds up um she's committed yeah but it's I'm enjoying it. I think it's fun. I think it's like for a mobile game, you know, for a mobile Animal Crossing, it's a bit repetitive, but it's like, you know, if this is as good as it can get, I'm happy with it. I, is it re- re- like as someone that like has only briefly touched the series, like I've one who's Christine Teigen. Is that yep. like, she, uh-huh. man, she, fucking, so you want to see someone uh-huh. who knows who has millions of followers who just tear into this Animal yeah. Crossing. Chrissy Teigen Go is look good. up her tweets. Like, they are, they were savage in a way that, like, I could, I could feel the heat coming off the tweets. Uh, and, but, like, uh, it, Animal Crossing as a series is, yes. like, built around repetition. But it seems right. like even for folks that have enjoyed the series, they have some issues around the way this game is yeah built I, i'm i am 
You know how in uh, Battleship Brigade there are ovens that slowly cook uh, a gem until it's until it's a higher level. I have a take in me right now. I'm an oven. I'm a take oven. And I'm, <laughs> this take is bubbling in me, and I'm it's trying to trying to cohere and 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 kind of gain some density and some form. Uh, the gist of that take is. That okay. So briefly, my history is also I came in at I watched people play a lot of previous Animal Crossing games. Actually, uh, I was like a big like you know living um, uh, uh, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, uh, I said victoriously, vicariously. vicariously thank yeah, you. you through go. other people's Animal Crossing experiences. Came in a new leaf. Uh, had really enjoyed it, minus the weird skin color shit, which I've written about, uh, but really loved it and loved especially the ways in which it felt like um, you had a set of chores to do. Like like you said, Danica, even in, in Pocket Camp, you do your chores every few hours. Mm-hmm. In, in New Leaf, you do your chores like every day. You log in, you do your chores. So you start up, you, log, you do your chores. Right. But along the way things can just kind of pop into place and like, oh, wow, like, oh, I, I found this bug I've been looking for. I'll take it over to the museum or, oh, wow, look at the stuff that they have on sale today. This is really cool. Or like, oh, I had a good idea for a shirt to design. I'm going to make it. Um, or like, oh, I heard a funny a funny uh, um, song from the captain when I went to the island today or all of these little things like, oh, my one of the other character, a new character moved into town or oh, a character left. And the rhythm of those games was really slow and and sort of unpredictable. Like, outside of your daily schedule, which is very predictable, like, okay, I'm going to shake all the trees, I'm going to dig, I'm going to go fishing. Water my plants. Water my plants. Like, that stuff is all predictable. But then there were these, like, it's like walking around a city. And this is the case I think I'm going to end up making. It's like, if... On my on my commute to work every day, the basics are the same. I'm gonna take the train to a bus. I'm gonna get on the bus. I'm gonna go down the take the bus. I'm gonna get off the bus. Blah blah blah. But every once in a while, a new restaurant opens up on the on the way, or I stop in at a uh, at a, a breakfast place and they there's someone new there to meet, or there's a you know the the coffee was just like really good today. And Animal Crossing has always done that part of the thing so well, where the joy is in the 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 unpredictability nestled into a schedule and animal crossing pocket camp has no interest in that at all everything is so routine and so on tracks um and so clear and i'm progressing at a constant rate instead of at a sort of surprising rate like if i want something for my if I want something that isn't just fashion for my for my camp, I know how to get it. And it's like min-max and focus on these specific Animal Crossing friends so that their hearts go up so that eventually they unlock the next tier of whatever their gift is, right? Or like, oh, I'm going to just keep making stuff so that I can invite more people over so I can get more hearts, which will unlock the next tier of furniture for me to build. Um, yeah, and it, it just like feel a- like you're getting rewarded, really. Right, right. Because you're – because – or – the rewards are just they're the same for everybody instead of feeling having that little touch of like uh, i i got a deal like the best thing about animal crossing to me is the best thing about a yard sale it's always been like oh you won't believe what i found today um mm-hmm. and this just doesn't have that instead it, it has i'm still enjoying it right like i'm still trying my best to build out my little like campsite music venue that's still like what my goal is is to make a dope like outdoor music venue uh 
but that's definitely the part of the joy that I'm that's the that's the main thing that I feel like has been brought over from Happy Home Designer and from like traditional Animal Crossing is here's how I'm going to express myself given these like mundane Legos to, mm-hmm. to build a little space with. Um, but I just wish it had a bit more of that unpredictable unpredictable uh, unpredictability um, that traditional Animal Crossing did because that's that's what I'm here for. Yeah, my campsite is completely empty right now because another thing that I'm not super into is like you uh, you fill up your campsite with stuff to bring in campers from all over. And uh-huh. then if you well, want oh, them... First of all, can we dig into that real quick? Can we talk about what that actually looks like? I know this take is, is like cold by now, but maybe people listening and, and, and Rob and Patrick, you don't know this structure yet. And I, it's absurd. Um one of the goals of the game is to bring friends over. Like you're going to go out into the world. You're all campers. You're all out in this kind of nature reserve. And there's a core campground that you're in charge of. And you want to bring people to your campground. But all of them are like, all right, you're going to have to do a couple things for me first. And one of them is just like get them to like you a certain number of hearts by doing mm-hmm. favors for them, like giving them fish or fruit or whatever. But then once you've done that, you can go over to them and be like, oh, hey, do you want to come to my campsite? And what they'll say is like, well, what sort of cabinets do you have? And it's ridiculous. Yeah. Every fucking animal refuses to come over unless you have like, oh, well, you need to have this sort of bed. And then when to get them over, you have to hit a button that's like, oh, rearrange my entire campsite so that I can put down the ranch bed and the green dresser and the mini cactus so that fucking, I don't know, rocket the, the <laughs> horseman or whatever is going to come over for two minutes. And then you get a cut scene of him like laying down in your bed and oh, swinging it's on your same. swing and yeah. looking at your cactus. So, so basically you're like opening a gated subdivision. And you have to, like, convince each individual client to, like, buy into one of your, like, model homes. But no, because they don't even stay like that. Once they finish the cutscene, there's a button. It's like, do you want to put all your shit back to where it used to be? What? And you hit yes. And then they just stay anyway. I haven't been doing that. I've been self-arranging everything. So at one point I I had 10. At one point I had 10 campers and I just had my campsite filled with shit. But what sucks about having the campers at your campsite is you can literally only fulfill one request while they're at your campsite. You can talk to them. Right. You can fulfill one request and you can ask them what's the latest and you'll fill up the heart like two notches. But by the time that they're at the campsite, it takes like five for a heart to get full. Also, you can't talk to animals at other campsites, which kind of sucks. And I've lost the yeah. I've lost the um, desire to visit my friends' campsites at this Same. point and give kudos because it's just like I I'm just gonna do these errands and then log off. But also, it, it is I'm Animal Crossing, so path. I'm on the path to I'm trying to build. So you get to choose like a genre for your campsite. Basically, um, there's like natural and all of that stuff is like nice and like it looks like a campsite might look like. Or there's like a tire swing or like a like a tree with a swing attached to it. Um, there's one that's cute where it looks like there's almost like a, almost like an amusement park, not an amusement park, but like a tent, like a circus tent or something. It's kind of cute. Um, there's one that's just like a big picnic tent. I'm going down the quote unquote cool, uh, research tree. Um, and the first one is just a Guy Fieri tent and a motorcycle and a fucking barrel fire. So I just <laughs> have a loose barrel fire oh, no. in my, in my, uh, my camp um the second the, the top one the reason i'm doing it is because the top one fits my main theme which is it's a big like 
it's like a stage. It's like a stage where you can build a like a, there's like a it's like a rock and roll stage. It's like oh, it's a venue, and like that's my whole dream. I'm trying to have a place where people can yeah, listen but... to music outside. The middle one is just a chunk of street and like a busker. It's like a, an open and it's like a red telephone booth. Uh, and like an open guitar case, like give me money, and then random animals can just wander over to this fake Hollywood street set, pick up a guitar, and play the same four chords over and over again. And it's like I'm in the middle of the woods. No one is fooled <laughs> by this ridiculous mini street set. Ugh. But I also I feel know. like no one can. I'm like, heated. D- does does what you choose? Like I chose natural, but like that doesn't even it doesn't matter, matter because no, the stuff that you're crafting can be like can be natural or it can be lovely or cute or sporty or whatever and it doesn't matter because if especially if you auto arrange all your shit goes away anyway Mm -hmm. i think it only matters with um when someone comes over and is like when there are animals there and you debut a new uh not attraction amenity amenity, yeah Mm. The, if it's if it's the genre that they like, if it's the like the subtype that they like, they'll get extra hearts or whatever from mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. <sighs> also, sell me some fucking pants. No I one know. Sell me pants clothes, yet. They they keep saying clothes crafting is coming, so I'm hoping that's sooner rather than later because I know everybody just wants new clothes. I just want new clothes. Right now, my clothing game is bad. Oh, I my look like shit. Is, I, I look so bad. I don't have any pants. They finally sold me glasses today, but they're brown glasses. I have the brown ones too. Not good. No. Nope. Uh, all right. I like this. I like it's mm, it's charming in spite of all of these very serious issues. There are other games in the genre. There are other games on a phone that I would rather be playing. I think, but but it's it, Animal Crossing. It's Animal Crossing, yeah. and that is why I'm still playing it. Like I like these character designs. I like the music a lot, and that is that's starting to sound maybe a little bit like. Um, uh, the thing where I'm a hostage and you, you see, I have no words because I'm so fucking frustrated over this Stockholm syndrome. Thank you. (sighs) Tom Nook syndrome. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That motherfucker. You can spend real money to get, to add him to your, to your camp. And here's the, well, here's the fucked thing is as long as you don't do it, there will be a notification on your screen being like, Oh, there's a special right now in the market. If you spend 250 tokens or whatever tickets, you can get Tom. You can get a chair for Tom Nook to come hang out at your camp. And if you don't buy it, it will always say that there's a special in the store for you. So even if you don't invite him over with real money, he's just going to be there and taunting you. <sighs> I'm heated. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm very upset at Tom Nook. I'm very upset at my Animal Crossing. Mm-hmm. I'm holding out hope for a real Animal Crossing. There's, there's got. Oh, they'll, they'll, they'll do they'll, it. They'll, but it's, it's probably just down the line. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'd imagine like they want, they're going to give that at least eighteen months to itself. Yes. Before yes. Well, Animal I definitely... Crossing is one. Animal Crossing is one of those ace cards. Oh and, yeah. You know, oh yeah. Well, it's time to time to pump the pump the the gas on the on the switch. You need that when you need to sell that new switch. You put it out with like not just <laughs> unique <laughs> we, yeah. uh, cons, not just unique Joy Cons, but the whole thing has like a dope Animal Crossing theme on it. Yes, I'll I'll buy a new switch for that. See, we should hit a couple questions. I feel like we've we've been not hitting the question bucket as often as we as we used you to. You guys do. just so did an episode. Well, we did where a whole. You oh, sorry, Austin, that you weren't on the the uh, question bucket uh, mailbag okay. spectacular. Okay, we had a bunch of questions. I had a thing. You haven't been there. I haven't. I haven't questions. answered questions. 
This one is nice. It's from Trolls from Copenhagen. If you have a question, you can send them to gamingadvice.com. Trolls? Like, Trolls? <laughs> trolls? I don't know how to pronounce this name. I'm sorry, Trolls from Copenhagen. Like, trolls? Like, it's my, my kid's favorite movie is in, invading all parts of my life. Wait, is your kid's point. favorite movie Trolls? Oh, loves the movie Trolls. Is it the right. Justin? Is it that? Is it that yeah. song? Is that why? I mean, that song. She's got that feeling. She danced. She danced. You want to calm her down? You put that song on, and her booty starts shaking. So. <laughs> da, 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 da. Okay, sorry. It's in my head now. I don't even know how I know that song. I saw him perform it at Eurovision. That's why. Um, Trolls from Copenhagen says, "Highway Point Radio, a non-gaming related question, if that's okay." After following Rob Zachney from Three Moves Ahead over the last few months, I've been burning through the Waypoint back catalog. You're, you are now officially voice famous in my book, and as an accent lover, I'd love to know where each of your accents stem from, if you're willing to share that, of course. Talk, tell me about your accents. Rob, mm. since this started off with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm from Northwest Indiana. Uh... And so it's like a suburb of Chicago, but I do not have like a pronounced <laughs> Chicago accent uh, the way some other members of this podcast might. <laughs> uh, and then I sort of uh, came of age living for seven years in Wisconsin. So I have a very neutral Yankee uh, accent, I suppose. A neutral Yankee accent. Is that a thing? Is that? It's called normal. Oh, Everyone you, else you talk weird. normal. I see. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in the same boat as uh, uh, as Rob. I'm, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and spent time in Wisconsin, so uh, a very hearty Midwest accent. Um, Danica, I guess you could say I'm like <clears throat> I'm from Northern California, so I say hella a lot. Um, some people <laughs> say that I sound oh, a life is strange accent. Yes. I gotcha. Someone, some people kind of say or say that I kind of sound like a Valley girl, which is more Southern California, but um, I've spent a lot of time in uh, northern and southern, so maybe that's true. Right. But, you know, just northern Northern California white girl is what I sound like. <laughs> uh, I My accent's a fucking mess because I'm from all over and I've spent time in a bunch of places and have, like, various affectations that I keep. Like, I say y'all because I like saying y'all, but also because I think there's a, it's a good gender-neutral, like, group, like, pronoun instead of guys or whatever uh like catch all the chicago area i can't stop myself from doing that from time to time like, no that's I'm, totally fine i, I use don't, y'all not... a lot but, right yeah. but uh well like the thing is like where i was born they say uh use instead of saying y'all oh, oh why did you not oh come on you should have kept that i can't well because i wasn't really from there that's the thing is like i'm from so i was born in, in wilkes-barre but the people at wilkes-barre call it wilkes-barre and i refuse to call it wilkes-barre <laughs> uh <laughs> Because it's bad. Don't call it Wilkes-Barre. It no, it's bad. Because it's because it's not. Here's the thing: is I'm from fucking Wilkes-Barre. I've been to Wilkes-Barre. You're not a Wilkes-Barre. That place is not friendly enough to be a Wilkes-Barre. <laughs> it's like an old Rust Belt town. It's like an old coal mining town in northeastern Pennsylvania. It's like the smaller sister sister uh, sister city to Scranton. You don't get to be Wilkes-Barre. Uh, um. So I'm from there, but I was raised in South Jersey. But I don't have a. There are a lot of uh, South Jersey accent things that I don't have. Like I don't say water. Uh, a lot of people in South Jersey say water instead of saying water. Um, I don't say coupon. I say coupon. Uh, a lot of these were me trying to get over some some bad accent things that people made fun of me for in college. Mm -hmm. Like you do. Uh, there's still some I can't get over. Like I can say Las Vegas correctly, but I can't say bagel correctly. My bagel just has like it's B E G L E. It's like it's not that's not how you say bagel. See, I can do it. I can say 
bagel. I can do it. But when I say I'm hungry, give me a cinnamon raisin bagel. Like it's just B E G G L E, uh, and I love it's it. One of my one of my favorite things about my wife is that she spent a lot of time in Minnesota and Illinois, and like for the most part, the Minnesota like accent has like disappeared. Like it's mostly just a sort of like a standard Midwestern accent. But then when she's had like a little bit to drink, right, and she says the word. House, it becomes house, and it just doesn't know. She, she doesn't know it. Like it's not. It's clearly like not. It's she just like the syllable. There's a second syllable in there now. Yeah, it's just because. So she's like, oh yeah, we should go check out the house, and I'm like, the what? <laughs> It's like, we're going to check out the house. Like, the what? And she's like, oh, did I do it again? I was like, yeah, you did it again, which is fine. It's very cute. It's just extremely funny that it's just like a couple of uh-huh. words just like bubble up somehow. It's so good. God. Well, the other thing for me that's weird is definitely uh, like code switching, right? Which is I grew up, I grew up in black communities and <laughs> had to learn how to move in white communities. I, uh, you know, I'm biracial. I have a, a, a black side of my family and a white side of the family and like very much spoke differently in those sides of the family. Um, and with my black friends and my white friends spoke differently and have gotten to a point now where you can hear me do it like a hundred percent, depending on who I'm in a conversation. Like if you will listen to the Manvir conversation, like I am extremely talking with my childhood friends, Austin, right there. And oh, not- I, I, uh, I had never been around you in a scenario like that until the Waypoint Seventy Two. Right, yeah, the right. seventy-two hours. And yes. uh, I, I, I immediately was like, "Huh? Yeah." Like, and I'm like, I get it. Like I totally yep. understand. It was just the first time I had. I, seen it happen in real time it's it's well, and it feels good like it's so it's like legitimately and i think we all do this to some degree around different people like i think that like when you when you extrapolate from code switching to think about how you i mean like this is the the ta-nehisi coach thing that he just talked about this in, in relation to to white people uh, and rap lyrics that they shouldn't fucking say um was like you don't call or like he doesn't call his father by what his father's parents call him you know what i mean like my my stepdad calls my mom mayor uh for short for mary lisa um and i don't call her that i call her mom or i even call her ma right but like you can extrapolate from there to a whole other s- situation of things where it's like in some with some friends groups you just like you are just present in a completely different way than in other friends groups all the time even inside of similar demographic groups right like mm-hmm. The me in a classroom is not the me in a bar, uh, even with the same group of friends. And it is it can be really nice to explore that space once you get through the like stress and horror of it being about survival instead of being about uh, expression. And it's like it definitely took me until I was like 22 or something before I had it all worked out. Probably older than that before I had it worked out to like, oh, both of these are me. I'm not lying as either of these people. They're the same person. They're just, like, filtered a little bit differently, and both of them are fun to be. So it is uh, – that's always been a fun thing for me. Um, one more here. This one's from Daniel uh, who says, hey, big fan of the podcast. I think you're all great. So I've been going through your entire podcast recently sequentially trying to gleam how much things have changed over the past year. And I recently got hung up on two things, your early discussions about Final Fantasy XV and the Near Bonus podcast. I feel like both of these games have very intense emotional draws, but in vastly different ways. With Nier, the entirety of that game drew me in from the first moment, and by the time I did everything in it, I was an emotional wreck. I felt so alone, yet connected, and it had such a strong message. With Final Fantasy XV, however, it wasn't until the end that I started to piece together the story properly, and that very last scene, you know the one, had me tear up unexpectedly. 
Uh, my question is, looking back at games over the years, how much of an emotional impact have video games had on your life, or rather, how often have they made you really think about your own decisions, your life, your happiness, and brought you a genuine emotional response? Um, also, I'd love your thoughts on Final Fantasy XV now that they've added so much content to it. Boy, have I not had time to get back to Final Fantasy XV, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd, I'll probably check that out again when they put out the PC version. Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Like, that'd be like a good time to uh, loop back around. But yeah, I'm like you. I, as, as someone that liked a lot of what they were doing in that game, I have not. Yeah, they're adding like a multiplayer mode. I think yeah, it's out. That I think that's out. I think that that multiplayer mode has dropped. I've seen people. Yeah, that's what I mean, good on them. That's a super, that's. It, you know, people talk about games as a service, and it's interesting to see that applied to a single-player game so robustly in a, in a way that was really neat. So, anyway. Uh, so, yeah, what, what, what stands out in your, in your lives is um, uh, games that have, like, affected you emotionally or, or that you have had, like, deep emotional moments with or that have, have made you think about stuff in a bigger bigger way. I know this is not actually that easy of a question, I think, once you once you are on... I don't know, for me, like, once I started being a critic, there it was definitely harder for me to be like, oh, this game is my favorite, mm-hmm. and it made me cry a bunch because I wanted to hold my cri- my criticism to a higher standard than just it's good because it made me cry. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that doesn't mean that games don't also still have this capability uh, to move us. So, so what stands out for people? Uh, not long uh, after... I think it was the same... Uh, year that uh, my father passed, which was about five years ago, uh, I played uh, the game Papo Yo, mm. which is a game about. Uh, <laughs> I should make clear, I, I, my, my dad was not uh, an alcoholic, <laughs> abused father. Uh, he was a wonderful uh, uh, dad, uh, but it was a game specifically about like a child dealing with like the loss of a father, and like mm. like the game does like some really interesting things with like the physical act of like letting go and like trying to turn that into like. Uh, sort of an interactive thing and uh, it was just it, it was it hit me really hard to play a game that drew on a very specific experience which is like a son losing their father and although the context of like that loss was presented very differently um, uh, in the game and you know vis-a-vis what actually happened to me which my dad just died randomly of a you know a shitty heart attack um uh, that was like a moment. Like it's the only time. Like I've had games like like tear up. Like when you know the the, the last scene of the Walking Dead's first season like was like really emotional and like kind of made me tear up. But uh-huh. like the actual sort of like like full on a game just like crushing you and like caught a, causing me to like sort of like lose control of my emotions. Like that's the only that's the only time a game has managed to do that. And it's all it's always been hard for me to judge. Like was that game actually any good at doing that thing or was it just that like I was in a particular moment at a particular time and place, and by the game even opening the door to right. that, it was able to like it's the same way that like these I I have trouble judging any like piece of media that like deals with any similar subject because I just like can't rationally like, I can't look at it rationally mm-hmm. because all someone needs to do is like raise the topic and like I just turn into a right. like, complete mess. Yeah. But that was the that was the one time that a game really got to me lots of games that made me feel sad lots of games that made me tear up but that's that's like the one time a game really like crushed me right i'm i think i'm consuming media in a very similar way because this, this is public knowledge but my dad is dying um like soon you know and uh even like my best friend got me a switch so i could play through mario odyssey with him because 
he got me my first Nintendo console and we played through right. Mario and we played through Link to the Past together and I haven't even been able to buy uh, Breath of the Wild yet because I'm like, I'm just not ready. But um, I played through some of Odyssey with my dad and he like really enjoyed it. And so I'm going to continue playing Odyssey with my dad uh, every time I go back to see him. Um, but I know it's going to completely fuck me up. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Family feelings are yeah. a lot as you get older, it turns out. Right. Yeah. And that's, and so that's like, <laughs> yeah. that's like, I think a mix of, I've always had this like very special connection to Mario and Zelda games because my parents like really opened the door, um, into me consuming other types of media that weren't, I guess the norm. Um, and that started with, with Mario and Zelda. So they've always held like a very special place in my heart, you know, and I think Ocarina of Time was probably the last Zelda game where I got very, very emotional. Um, but they have like this new meaning behind them now. Yeah. The one that got me recently was definitely near um, and not even, it, it's just, I think it's just been a sad year. And so I've been, very thin membraned on in terms of like what gets to me but that's not fair i don't want to take away from near um good the thing that was wild to me was like the moment that got me was literally just there's a moment towards the there there are lots of moments in in this game where you fight robots uh there's a moment towards (laughs) the end of the game where you're fighting a robot and you're fighting a lot of like robots inside of various towers and stuff and it's like it's a busy work mission it is not a main mission um it, it isn't like a story thing happens and then i started like sobbing um it was just fighting these fucking robots in the context of what i knew about the characters and where they were at and i think at the time it was just this like deep awareness of these deeply flawed characters these characters who were uh just just falling all over themselves to try to get at something that they could never get to um, various, depending on what, all the characters had different things that they were looking for by the end of that game. Uh, and just like, so distraught over the futility of what they're all working towards that just in the middle of this bullshit side quest, or it was a main quest, but it wasn't like an important story moment. I just started crying and it was just like, I, there, there we are. There are people right there. Because like the core message of near so much is, why do we prize what we think it means to be human? Is it such a good thing? And also, like, if it does the are robots like people thing, it also does the reverse, which is like, are you just a fucking robot? Like, are we all just pretending to be what we think people are? Um, and it just, like, totally hit me out of nowhere and knocked me the fuck out. Uh, that said, like, I think more... I would like more games to have that effect on me. I'm, I'm... There's lots that I can find in other forms of media, from music to television to film to books to, to you know, uh, various other sorts of art that, like, move me in a deeply emotional way or in a very thoughtful way or that make me angry or that make me um, content. And there isn't enough in, in those spaces um, in, in games right now for, for me. Like, I, I guess when I think about my tops of the year, like, it's it's the moments spent in like Terrytown in Zelda this year, a similar sort of warm contentedness um, in that place. Um, And I want more that explore those experiences 
instead of just the sort of like hyper victorious ones, which I also like to be clear, like winning that chicken dinner with Patrick on stream was like an incredible emotional high. And I don't want to discount that as being emotional just because it was like screaming and singing a song about, about chicken nuggets. (laughs) But like, uh, but I I want just more variety in there. Rob, anything, anything come to mind for you? Um, I mean, yeah, like, not that many games have that huge an impact on me on the, on that level. I think because so many of the games that I've played that sort of try to operate on that level, I've I've played since I started doing this professionally, right? right. And like you said, Austin, like it just it changes your reaction. I think you know the opening of uh, the Last of Us is nakedly manipulative, but it is successfully mm-hmm. manipulative. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that moment lands. Um, I think one of the more effective rug being yanked out from under your moments uh, uh yanked out from under you moments uh i've had in the last few years is banner saga one mm-hmm. uh where uh two of the main characters are this father and uh daughter uh rook and aladdin he's sort of an an old uh huntsman in this rural community uh his daughter aladdin is sort of following in his footsteps and you're leading this growing band of survivors across this apocalyptic uh, wasteland. It's it's a really gorgeous game. It's a really good game. Highly recommended to everyone. But a lot of the game is also about the changing relationship between Rook and his daughter. That mm-hmm. she is starting to come into herself uh, as a woman, as a hunter. Um, she is now competent and able to take the lead on things where before she used to you know wait for her dad to decide, right? And a big part of the dynamics of that game are, you know, you have these moments of, do you, you know, do you let go? Do you, do you say, like, I trust your agency, I trust your judgment, uh, I'm going to let you do what, you know, you feel needs to be done? Or do you try to, like, you know, put, pull back, right? Do you, do you, do, do you have trouble letting go as a parent? Right. And it definitely feels to me, like, through a lot of that game, that a big part of this journey is about, you know, the act of letting go as a parent and trusting a kid's relationship. And do we want to spoil this right now? No, we should not do that. But if you want it to be spoiled, uh, Riley Riley, uh, McLeod over at Kotaku literally just wrote this piece. Um, Okay. Did you see it? I accidentally got the worst... Wait, like today? Friday. Literally Friday. Oh, shit. I accidentally okay, got the worst ending that. in The Witcher 3. It's super good. It, it's filled with those spoilers and goes deep into a lot of the stuff around it. I'd rather not... In Banner Saga? Banner Saga? Oh, you're saying Banner Saga. I thought you were talking about Witcher 3, which also is about... Is it also about uh, uh, parenthood and, and bad did choices? Did I say Witcher? I thought, I said, no, I, I, made I, say Witcher? This, I made this leap okay. with my own head because you were talking about a fantasy series in which it's about parenting. Uh, that's me. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but okay, now I'm so, now I'm curious because I don't know what happens with Banner Saga, but I feel like we shouldn't mm, we shouldn't spoil it. We shouldn't spoil it. Okay. Give me give me the vague emotional beats. Is it just? It's yeah, just... no. It's just there is a major choice where Alette is really pushing to do something at the end of the game, mm. and the question is whether or not you you should you should let her, and who is who is the person you can trust the most to sort of. Uh, you know, carry the ring to Mordor, uh, right. as it were. And it feels like there's a right decision and that there's a, uh, that like, this is an important relationship building block and all this, and maybe it is, but also that decision actually unfolds in some really unexpected ways 
Disney. Is there a right decision? or Because I know like, one of the things that's no, interesting throughout no. that game is... Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, there, like, there's... there's uh, Neither decision is entirely comfortable or happy, and both have sort of... Both decisions reverberate into the next game. Right. Uh, but it, so the, the entire game is about building this relationship, and at the end, uh, it comes to a surprising end that feels like... It feels very realistic, Right, that life doesn't unfold in a series of like learning moments where you do, you know, you you do the right thing and then things work out. That's not how the Banner right. Saga works out, uh, and it's very realistic, but it's also very kind of shocking. Uh, in particular, because like it's it's a tactics game with, uh, with you know a lot of <laughs> with just a lot of like uh, talking head cutscenes. They're beautiful. They're beautiful. Um, yeah, and but like it is kind of a melancholic game. But holy shit, the ending! But that's one of the things that's nice. I, I I'm happy to hear that because that art style does carry with it such a degree of of melancholy. Like you said, a sort of like a pastoral passing. Do you know what I mean? Like that game yeah. very much has all just from the the you know handful of hours I put into the first one, always to me felt like. The days, you know, the days when things were simple and good are behind us. Um, yeah. And there's lots of people looking off into the middle distance with, like, their hair blowing in the wind. And it's all beautifully animated. And I'm glad that that isn't just a posture. I think just the thing I'll say is I think the things that have resonated with me the most is I think something a lot of games do well is loss. Uh, when I think of, like, games that have resonated with me... The Witcher 2 is kind of like by the end of that game, everything is a smoking ruin. Like everything you've tried to do mm-hmm. has basically imploded and it sets up The Witcher 3. But you sort of spend much of that game watching the world you've known for the previous two Witcher games right. kind of be like put to the torch, right? Um, you know, I it's, it's, it's a silly overwrought game, but Max Payne 2 uh, really hit for me. And a big part of that is every character who survived the first game, every character you formed a bond with in that first game, uh, that relationship is changed or torn up, and you sort of watch it happen and participate in it happening. Uh, I think something about, something about the medium lends itself to that in particular, uh, I think. To this notion of losing things and people. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if that's. I wonder. I wonder why that is. I wonder what. What. I wonder if that's something intrinsic to games or reflective of a history of games that have honed our skills at telling stories about loss um, and have or have provided the right tool set for that versus the tool set. Like I think that I, I'm not. This is not me. I don't know the answer to this. Like I think that there's there are lots of fun theses that we could toss out around games single player games being very solitary experiences versus being you know collaborative one like there's all sorts of stuff we could go with there i'd love to hear what people think about that maybe over maybe over at discourse.zone on our forums um it's a, it's a good question so 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 go do that and the other thing you can do is you could go to uh waypoint.zone/boen to to hear bowen uh who who lets us use his track miss you off the ep pale machine I'm Austin Walker. You can find me on Twitter at Austin underscore Walker. I'm just, this is an oh, outro now. Outro. Yeah, I've <laughs> nice. snuck us over to the outro very quietly. Peace. Um, I'm Danica Harrod. You can follow me on Twitter at Danica Harrod and also at Waypoint. Thank you, Danica, for being the good Twitter person. Patrick, where can people find you? you can find me at EvoVac support. <laughs> at EvoVac support. Uh huh. 
you're getting that support for those robots. Like support, like emotional support for the robots. Like, I, I'm team robot. And shout-outs to Danielle, who could not be here today because she is she's doing some, some doctor stuff. I think everything's fine. I think it's wrist wrist junk. I think she's good. Um, uh, but shout-outs to, to, to Danielle. I think that's it. I think that's all we Wait, got. Wait, Rob didn't it. say where we could follow him. Yeah, he, but that's because he already said goodbye. He already said peace. Oh. Yeah, he's gone. He's he gone. You can't he come hung back up. once you said peace. Oh. Once you yeah. said peace, that's the law. You, you can can't come back. You can follow Rob at on Twitter.com. <laughs> Twitter.com slash Rob Zachney. <laughs> slash scuba fan. Scuba with, I did with two kick O's. The scuba times, man. If I'm being really honest. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you kicked it. Uh... All right, everybody. I think that's going to do it for today. We'll be back with more streams and, and podcasts all throughout the week. And we'll confirm on that Waypoint 101 soon once I get to talk to everybody and, and look at a schedule and figure out what is actually feasible around this thing. Uh, all right. That's going to do it. I'm going to say, I'm going to say, it, even though she's not here, be good and be good at it. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.